This is a HeadGum Podcast. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Call the cops. Hey. This level of foolishness hey. enjoy. Hey. Houston, we have a hey. dog. Now watch hey. this Great ass. Hey. Damn it. Hey. Shisha. Hey. Sicario. Bruce hey. fucking Springsteen. Hey. Damn it. Hey. Hey. Yeah, people hey. are going to die. Hey. Yeah, yeah baby. <laughs> Welcome to Good Christian Fun. I'm John the Diaper Piper. <laughs> Kevin and Caroline are here to talk about the glory of Christ as he has made himself manifest in Christian popular culture. Christian music, movies, entertainment made for and by Christians. How beautiful our merciful Lord has been to give us Amy Grant, Carmen, Veggie Tales, and Lauren Daigle. Mm. Today on the podcast, they're talking about the Chronicles of Narnia, specifically the second in the series of Disney films, Prince Caspian. My prayer for this episode is that these little freaks don't get too horned up about the guy who plays Caspian and instead meditate on the manifold graces of the furry Jesus lion named Aslan. Also, sometimes Kevin and Caroline talk about jacking off, which is wrong. I hope they talk about hell in this episode. I love hell, and I tremble in pleasure to think about all the people going there. I'm not going there because I'm a good man who delights in the hedonistic worship of his sweet lord. <laughs> anyway, what else is in the news? Trump got indicted. No, that was wild. News? Did you all hear about this conflict between Ron DeSantis and Disney in Florida? Hey. Also pretty crazy. So I'm dating again. That's pretty weird, right? Boy, he's just he's absolutely and he takes all kinds if you know what show. I mean. Yeah, we gotta cut him off. John. <laughs> John. Man, he started like, okay, that's that's what he would say. Then yeah. He, he really made a turn. He started to feel good. He was yeah. starting to go with it. And you do not want John Piper to feel good. No. You want him to feel bad. I don't even know what that would look like, and I don't want to. I don't want to see it. <coughs> <laughs> but I want to hear that. <laughs> Emma, double it. Double it. Emma, triple it. Why not? <laughs> Well, we've got a word from Piper. Mm -hmm. He can't tell me what to do. He's not the boss of me. He's not. But I'll try. Uh, But yeah, that was nice of him to pray for us. It was nice. He said my prayer for this episode is, and I thought that was was kind of sweet. Again, we've been having these celebs come on and do the intro. This week it was John Piper. Last week it was Kendall Roy, a celeb who's gone through some uh, difficult family stuff recently. The week before... It was Amy Grant. Um, you know, the sky's the limit. I'm so glad. We can't book him for a whole episode, but we can get him for that we can much. Get a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, every dollar you put towards Patreon it makes the show better. And that is patreon.com. And, and, and that is, I did <laughs> literally for real have to upgrade my 11 Labs <laughs> AI account <laughs> because it pay is. for this. It is. It is uh, capped how many characters or like hours of audio you can make. Mm-hmm. I exceeded that today. Uh, I oh, finally I was, exceeded I was it. Today. <laughs> I thought you would have exceeded that on hour one. I bought the two hour plan. 
Mm. Where you can make up to two hours of AI voice. Oh, so you blasted with, through that. Within a month. And You've made two hours yeah. of, that's a whole GCF episode right there. Oh, sure. Just put that out. Just string them all together. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I will say, if you get kind of an alarming text, it's really fun to put it through the AI voice and make them read it for you. <laughs> that's kind of a helpful process for me. That helps. But John already kind of stole our thunder with all this stuff, where it's like, yeah, we're talking about Prince Caspian. Yeah. We're like, finally, let's do Chronicles of Narnia. Should we start at the beginning? Mm-mm. No. Why? Why would we do that? Should we Should we go to the end? Uh-uh. No. Right let's middle. go like right in the middle. Let's play jazz with this. Series. Zabazue, did you watch these when they came out? Yes. In theaters, or was this a home video situation? Um, I what years did the first one come out? First one was 2005. Bush was still president. Wow, the Bush years. Second one was 2008. (laughs) Bush was getting nudged out by a certain secret Muslim. Mm -hmm. And then 2010 was the voyage of the Don Treader. Yeah. And that was uh, the final. The final one. So it's post 9-11. They're all post 9-11 and you can tell. So Yeah, you feel that. And, mm. and I think we were all going to theaters to support American business more. So I'm I'm pretty sure I saw the first one in theaters. This Caspian movie, I go back and forth like, did I dream that I saw this? Or did I actually see it? Or have I never seen this in my life until yesterday, basically? Yeah. Not sure. What about you? I didn't see any of them, which I don't understand why yeah, I avoided them. It's kind of your bag. You know, as someone who loves... Big furry cats. <laughs> yeah, listen. <laughs> I mean, I loved Liam Neeson, especially some of the comments he's been making recently in these interviews. Uh, there was a very unsavory interview with him a few years ago that I'm not going to... You know what? I won't even direct people to. Great. It was just like he said... He kept saying, I thought about doing a hate crime, but then I didn't do it. Oh, Okay. This Very was like brave. from like four or five years ago. He's like, but I, I, I thought about doing it, but I ended up oh, I remember this. not yeah. doing it. You want to like kick some guy's ass. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But he just kept, but every interview, it was for some dumb movie, but he kept bringing it up. That was his like Lady Gaga, if there's a hundred people in the room, yeah. I want to kick their ass. <laughs> we can't talk about this movie alone. We need a very... Very special guest, friends and folks. She is a writer. She is an author. And you can catch her new novel, A Most Agreeable Murder, out in June. Give it the hell up for Julia Steele. Yeah. Hello. Hey, Julia. Julia's in the house. Julia. Watch your mouth. Do you, do you like the song Julia by the Beatles from the White Album? Uh, you know, people always ask me if I'm named after that song, and oh. I am not, but I do like it. People ask you if you're named after the... That that seems odd, I would be right? like, mind your business if someone asked yeah. me that. Yeah, I should start <laughs> saying that. Instead, I just say no. But Julia Good. just feels like so omnipresent pre-1960 whatever the yeah, hell when that uh, it's not like your name's Penny Lane and they're like because of the song right. you're like it doesn't no. really feel like that song is necessarily the, the only one. The, the one and only Julia but hmm. I do like it okay beautiful okay. how many Julia songs are there that are like popular oh gosh I mean to me that's that's the number one mm. you keep a running list mm. of Caroline songs yeah I mean do it's you? hard to <laughs> match the number of Carolines in the catalog Caroline No by the Beatles Oh Caroline by the 1975 Sweet Caroline by Neil Diamond Caroline 
can you Venmo me for mm-hmm. <laughs> the song Kevin sings <laughs> dinner? For y'all, dinner. Yeah, Carolina changed the entire musical. <laughs> Carolina changed, changed by by Mr. Kush right. hitting the Kush. Anyway, so it's yeah. nice to have a song with your name in it. Yes, it is nice. He didn't he write it for his mom? Yeah, that's a mommy song. Oh, it's a mommy song. And his mom was, uh, his mom died at when he was very young. Mommy, so. mommy, mommy named you. I always Leo. Wanna, wanna. Have you heard the song? <laughs> Pretty sure that's how it goes. That's it. It starts with Bobby, 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 Dave, Julia. And when I listen to it, I do feel like the ghost of a mom. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> I can relate. And and that's when he played that for us in the studio. <laughs> we knew that was a number one hit record. That's gonna be the one. Oh my god, that's the single. Well, we don't have John in the studio with us today, R.I.P. But we do have Julia. I can today. feel his spirit entering me. <laughs> well, new drop. Yeah. Gonna cast that out real quick. Well, speaking of spirits, we do have. I mean, we can talk about your history and background with faith and religion and all these things. We have some spirits before us that we might, before we uncork your trauma question mark or your history, we got some other stuff to uncork. What, what do we have for us tonight? So we've got a little bit of prosecco. Ooh. Okay. We'll start. Kevin couldn't open it, so I'll do the. Hey. <laughs> Hey, you know Ooh. what I said? On mic is on mic is off mic is off mic. Right. That was off mic. I wasn't listening to I that. I know. <laughs> that was off mic. No, but that was so generous and kind of Julia. Ever and then the what gracious else we got host. here? So this is Aslan's blood. Ah. Or Aperol. It will and come through the lion. Is there a, a little, little lion on the lid? There's a little lion. Hell yeah. I'm going to take what your photo the, real quick with this. Rules. I think people need to see. Oh my gosh. This little thingamajig it's so pretty it's like a and it'll come glass and b- okay Ooh. <laughs> now, now i don't want to spill that on what uh, it's uh, that's uh, fine. It's, yeah. oh did a little get on there it's no. filled with dexter's piss anyway, ne- next so. to your oh, foot yeah, is that a little dri- drippy droppy maybe? maybe it is oh no oh that's okay i wouldn't have thought that this antique would leak oh you yeah it's getting antique. a little bit on your pants too <laughs> oh no oh oh, oh god <laughs> i'm so sorry Aslan's blood is everywhere <laughs> aren't you glad we did this on mic <laughs> this was a great idea sitting oh, on this no. you can't move julia you have to continue Wait, do, do you want like a little towel or something <laughs> yes kevin i would like a towel okay. <laughs> i was just asking <laughs> i just wanted to make and sure. i was replying <laughs> okay oh should i i'll yeah. wait to pour so the third cute, one into though. it <laughs> Have you gotten to use this guy before? This I've used line? it once, but I think I put the lid on wrong, which is why it's uh, uh, spilling. It's just such a treasure. I really I like it. Oh, thank you. Go. She's going mm, for it. I'm just going to finish off. Nice. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. <laughs> Emma, keep all this in. Mostly on your leggings. I'm so oh, sorry. Here's a little wet, wet towel. Here, can I you. hand you? Here's a little. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm cleaning the carpet right now. And I'm uh, sort of supervising over here. Yeah, do you want me to take this and uh, yes, please. get it out of, out of the way? That's all right. I'm really glad this is a visual meeting. He can hit your legs with some of that uh I think I think it's good. These are some target remover. leggings, so uh, um, a new day or exhilaration. Well, now they can be a little distressed. And it's so nice. It's such a nice thing that Julia did in even bringing this so all over here fun. for us. An Aperol spritz. Thank you so much. Essentially. Thank also, you. I wanted to point out when Caroline took a picture of Julia, of course, listeners couldn't see this, but 
it, it's it's my favorite. It's one of my favorite things about you, which is like a sort of magnetic sensory experience of you know when someone's camera is pointed towards you because your face does pivot and then crease right to them and look straight down the lens of whoever it is. Yes. Uh, like whenever it's, which is sort of my opposite experience with Caroline. If I ever <laughs> try put to a take camera a picture, in my face, you're like, stop <laughs> taking pictures. <laughs> Kevin, put it down. Well, sometimes you're taking a picture and then sometimes you're taking like an aggressively long video and I'm like, what's oh, happening? Am yeah. I in a trailer now? And it'll all Will there be, be cool music down. to it that yeah. I love? <laughs> Your life is a movie. And what are we toasting to? Oh, to the memory of Aslan. Yeah. Cheers. May he always roar again. Yeah. For Aslan. For Aslan. To Narnia and to Aslan. And to this Aslan. For Aslan and for this Aslan. Mm. Oh, Achi Machi. <laughs> Yummy. That hits the spot. Thank you so much. This is the first time a guest has ever brought us a what cocktail. A really? Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Well, this I'm. true. Yeah. I think 277 people have maybe episodes. wine, but yeah, never a cocktail. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh. I well, think that's cheers. true. Cheers. Cheers to you. <laughs> Glad to be the first mm-hmm. down that road. <laughs> yeah. And you're the first to spill on yourself and my rug. <laughs> Ever well. the trailblazer. That's, it's not the first time that I have spilled something <laughs> on <know>. this rug. <laughs> Maybe the first time I've admitted yeah. because he saw you it. You haven't lived in LA until <laughs> you what? spilled on Kevin's rug. I'm just I'm just relieved that it wasn't Dexter's fault this time, who did run over our friend Jeremy the other night <laughs> and spilled that. his wine everywhere. Red wine, too. Red wine all <laughs> over the couch and the pillow. Not Jeremy's fault, oh. but... Nevertheless, it did happen. Sorry. I freaked out because I saw Dexter like chewing and my shoes were right next to him. No, it was a bone <laughs> I, I gave him. I scared it was a bone. <laughs> <laughs> These are no, not for the- eating, my little friend. You know, I'll- Okay, we're loosened okay. up now. Sorry. Now it feels like we're in the zone where we can kind of get into Let's get real. Stuff. Yeah, it's time. It's time to get. It's time to be real. It's time to be get real. Time to be real. <laughs> and we want to be getting real with you and understand your history with faith. And religion, your oh. experience with all these things, where it started, how how it started, how it's going. We should make, should we break up the guestimony that way in the future? How it started and how it's going. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about faith. That's a good structure, mm-hmm. good story structure. Listen, hey, and you know about story structure. Right? <laughs> if there's one thing I know, okay. it's how to find a camera. <laughs> I would <What>? say, <laughs> I would say how it started. <laughs> I'm from Kentucky, so I grew up in the Bible Belt, right next to Asbury College. Well, now they're at a university, and they actually recently had, they're on the news for having like a, a what do you call it? Not an awakening. A oh, revival. A revival. A revival. revival. I was thinking oh, of the book by Kate Chopin, so that's kind of tough. <laughs> an awakening. <laughs> Not an awakening. A revival. A burgeoning. Yeah, I'm yes. an awakening. But it's Whoa. a dry county. So it's um, no alcohol in this entire county. No alcohol in the county, though they recently voted to make Jessamine wet, as the sign said. Make, uh, Jessamine make is the county. Okay. <laughs> um, so pockets of it. Kevin's now. Googling flights out of Burbank right now. <laughs> he said, what was it called? That's M-I-N or M-Y-N. <laughs> M-I-N-E. Finally, a platform I can get by. Um, well, because so, Kentucky yeah. is where bourbon is from. Yes. So. I, well, I also I grew up like smack dab in the middle of bourbon country. So it's yeah. an interesting I don't know any of the history. It's from Kentucky. Bourbon is, how, how does that work? Well, I mean, we say if it ain't Kentucky, it, it ain't bourbon. Okay. But that's not, technically bourbon has to be American. Okay. Um, but 
<laughs> and at least 50% corn has to be made in America. There are several rules. And that's different from whiskey. Bourbon and whiskey are distinct. So basically whiskey, like bourbon is a type of whiskey. Okay. So it's kind of like a square and rectangle situation. How like every square oh, is now, a rectangle, but not it. every rectangle yes. is a square. A every bourbon category. is a whiskey, but not every whiskey is a bourbon. Yeah. 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 It's a special. But, I love that you know your bourbon facts because that's not required, but I'm oh, sure I, you have to bring it. You have to talk about it often As a good Kentuckian, I'd say it would yeah. be required. <laughs> you got to know. <laughs> was so, Asbury like known to be pretty religious when you were growing up or was it just kind of like, eh, it's like one of the colleges in, in the state? Yes. It's, it's very religious, very conservative. We would joke that it's like being in Footloose because it's like no mm. drinking and no dancing. Yeah, very serious. Yes. You know, there's a place near here called Master's College. And I'm I'm getting there. They're not doing a lot of master some things over there because it's also very conservative. Uh, but yes. they like they can't even kiss in plays. Like it's very, oh, very, wow. very low. Mastering key. their education, hopefully. Exactly. <laughs> they can't kiss in plays. Um, yeah. Can you imagine? You do this sort of hand wraparound where it where yeah. you wrap your hand around and then you kiss your fingers. I bet they wouldn't even do that. Well, what about like Kirk Cameron stuff? If if it's literally if their spouse. wives, mm-hmm. yeah. If it if no, because wives. It, what if it titillates an audience member? Yeah. That's true. You yeah. got to think about titillation. You always have to consider husbands and wives. What's more titillating than that? Nothing hotter. Covenant marriage <laughs> subgenre on Pornhub or like, whatever. Me and I stay far away anytime we come to a party. Man, Kirk didn't think about worry. that. Yes, he wasn't cheating, but how many people were getting off on the exactly? Side He's of- basically making porn <laughs> every time he kisses his wife on screen. Yeah, I it's like, it doesn't that. make it okay. Yeah, just because that. it's okay for them, it doesn't make it okay for me to look at it. So, just one more thing about Asbury before we get into your story. Yes, with this revival it's very intense it's a I've just seen like a little clip here and there mm-hmm. what is your take on it I mean I I really respected that they were protective of people and were like we don't want to be filming inside and they like ultimately did end it so that students could go back to classes mm-hmm. but I feel like they handled it very respectfully and like you know I think I'm I'm glad people were were so moved feel in the moment yeah yeah because it went on for days right yeah, it, it went on for days, and there were so many people. The town was literally at capacity. Whoa. Yeah, so my my middle brother is an alum of there. Um, he and his wife met there. Uh, and so I think— At a revival? Not at a revival. <laughs> okay. But they did go. Like, a lot of people went, and, like, it was a big— Was the revival for any specific purpose, like, political? Because I think of revivals now, and I think the Sean fucked anti-lockdown stuff, and I think about— like stop the you know the freedom marches and and whatever, but it was just so to as, revive. As I understand it, from just what my mom described, um, some students were having like a worship service, and then they just didn't stop. And then yeah. people like that just wedding kept coming you were describing, <laughs> <laughs> the worst way I've ever been to. You're thinking of a rally, yeah, like whipping people up around a cause. Yeah. This was like, from what I heard, described as like kind of a spontaneous spiritual outpouring and people were like just feeling the Holy Spirit and so it just didn't stop and it's kept going and people were like flooding the building and doing worship together. Endless encores. Endless encores okay. for days. I guess I get yes. that. And of course, you know, people got excited because they're like, oh, maybe America, we're going to have a big great revival again. And everybody's like, no, we're not. What year was the great revival? This is a great question. Every great revival question. I'm going to pull from my memory. I want to say it was like 
early 1900s. Yeah, it felt maybe pre war It feels Edwardian. One. I feel like yeah. Samantha, the American Girl doll, probably right? was alive. Are we saying the Great Awakening? So it was an awakening. Are we saying the Great Revival, the Great Awakening? We mean the Great Awakening, right? Do you mean like the Billy Graham one or like the older one with Jonathan Edwards? That one. Yeah. Like 1730s and 40s. Oh, oh wait, maybe I did older. Me- oh, isn't there not one in the early 1900s? <laughs> uh, double check that. <laughs> Somebody somewhere uh, screaming. I know. I'm sorry. Absolutely screaming. If anyone knows anything history. about history and listens to this, why are you Dang, listening? I'm to sorry. This? I was so, yeah. I was just curious, <laughs> like, like, if it coincided with the rise of um, temperance. And prohibition. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was something to that, but I think that was that was probably a whole other. Well, then there was like Amy Semple McPherson. She mm. had a big kind of thing going on, and that church grew really quickly mm-hmm. out here, mm-hmm. as shown in Perry Mason, if you're a fan of the show. Our, uh, our, our, our yes. friend of the show, Jen Tullock's on that show. Jen Tullock, she's so good. She's oh. fucking awesome. She plays a hot lesbian. It's a awesome. friend of mine writes mm-hmm. for that show. Oh. Look, we all have connections to Perry Mason. <laughs> I'm married to Perry Mason. <laughs> That's not my true. Dad. I am Perry Mason. <laughs> all right, she wins. But you were a little kid, not drinking in Kentucky. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Correct. Just to set the scene. Hopefully yes. not. I don't know. No, I was not drinking. Did not drink until I was 21. Okay, so what was your like church experience? What was the, the faith expression um, from a young age? I grew up in a Christian and Missionary Alliance church, mm-hmm. which like in terms of the community, it was a really good experience, a lot of really lovely people. But I think it was, the hardest thing for me was that they have a, a difficult stance on women in power positions, which I always disagreed with from a young age. Mm-hmm. Where did and you get so, that from? Like, where did you have the sense that like, oh, I, I know I'm right and this is wrong? Um, My mom is a very, very strong-willed person and very strong in her faith, but also like a fiery woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I feel like she instilled that in me. And she also really encouraged me to read. And so I honestly, it probably came from her and books. Yeah. <laughs> because I was always reading these books with these incredible women characters. And I'm like, well, this is saying one thing. Yeah, I'm planning a something else. She could do it. And the last page <laughs> of each book is, sadly, she was never able to lead as a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> she was totally unequipped. <laughs> Yeah, so... Do you remember having, like, disagreements with, like, the youth pastors or anybody like that over women in church? Um, I don't know if I would have... I, I was always that kid who was like, I'm a feminist, and people would be like, mm, I don't know if you should say that. <laughs> right. But um, it's funny because years later, one of my friends was like, you know, you always said that growing up, and it actually made me kind of rethink things. And I was like, oh, someone was listening. <laughs> a trailblazer in Kentucky. Yes, but but no, I was very introverted and quiet, so that, that was probably another reason why I always felt like kind of a misfit, because youth group is very much set up for extroverts. Mm-hmm. I was like, what if we just all read quietly in the same vicinity, and that would be nice instead of this icebreaker game? Well, yeah. we were talking about the different kind of services offered to different kind of people in the last episode. We talked about church for shut-ins. What was yeah, it called? Yeah. Mass for shut-ins. Mass for shut-ins. What if there were different flavors? And obviously at some churches, depending on where they are geographically and the demographic, they have English services and Spanish-speaking services or whatever the other language may be. But what if there was introvert youth group and extrovert Ooh. youth group. Oh, my goodness. And you have a division of like. So helpful. Hey, do you not want to have discussion time? <laughs> introvert youth groups at 730. I do. I now that, that we're talking about that, I do think that 
certain pe- personalities are genuinely drawn to certain um, denominations. That makes sense. Right? Yeah. Like, because then you might enjoy like more of a contemplative Quaker service or sure. something yes, like that. I, I have always thought that. Or I do like the drama of like, I mean, yeah, certain like Anglican is very, yeah, yeah, yeah. like a lot like of ritual drama. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, Theater. things that were started maybe because of Anne Boleyn seducing someone like that <laughs> sounds very good to me. Well, the church has started messy. <laughs> and then faith expression when you were in youth group at the time, was it was it the, the to quote a C.S. Lewis line, was it the sun that lit everything in your world that you saw everything by? Was it compartmentalized? Was it more of a family thing? Um, It was Definitely a family thing. Like it was always very important to my family. And I think we just had so much, so much of our community was part of the church. But I think for me, it was something that always felt very personal and that I feel like I discovered a lot more about later when I went to college and I kind of learned to divorce culture from faith and spirituality. And that was sort of the time when I was like, I feel these things like I'm a feminist. I want to support the LGBT community. I want to do all of these things that maybe I've been told culturally that I shouldn't, but in my core, I feel like they're right. And so that was a really um, important time for me to kind of separate culture from my faith and get to get to the core of what I really believed. Was the college age stuff? Yeah, I would say college is the time when I felt like not not just a literal independence of being away from home. That's probably part of what helped, but just an independence of thought. Mm-hmm. Were you looking for churches to go to when you were in college and stuff like that? I went to college in Nashville, and there were a. I were there any churches in Nashville at all? <laughs> there were I've been looking for one. We have from. listeners one writing in. Lonely church. We're looking for a church in Nashville. <laughs> Can you help? <laughs> we had quite a smorgasbord. I I always was really into music, so I went to one where I was like, the music is amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I met in a bar, and I was like, ooh, it smells like beer. Cool, very cool. Which for someone who grew up in bourbon country is like, <laughs> now that's she like, was dry as hell, rather. You were like a turducken in your country. You were like a dry country in the middle of a very wet ham. Oh, you know? oh yeah. <laughs> when is Reese Witherspoon going to start like worship in a teacup in Nashville? Worship, like, worship in a teacup filled with bourbon. Oh my yeah. gosh. That's would go. <laughs> that sounds good. Go. So you were going to college, at church. you were going to church and college mm-hmm. to like continue your spiritual practice that you'd been going on through high school. Yes. Meanwhile, were you looking for churches where you were like, they support the LGBT community? Or were you like, I'm going to do that just with my friendships and my personal life? Like, how were you expressing that at the time? I think I express it more through my personal life, but mm-hmm. also just through my own ideals of like reading lots of books and materials that I felt like would clarify things. Mm-hmm. And like, at the time, I don't think I was necessarily looking for like a church to support it, but more like being like, how can I live this way? Yeah. How can I set myself up for a future to live that way? Do you remember what you were reading at all? Well, Rachel Held Evans was really important to me. Oh my gosh, yes. Um, Because that was kind of, I had a friend recommend it to me and it was like, oh my goodness, other people feel this way. (laughs) Such an exciting day. Um, So I would say she was probably the most impactful. Did you read the biblical womanhood book? Yes. Yes. Great. Yeah. She made people so mad. 
she made people so angry by doing her thing. And she didn't pick a lot of fights. And then it was the same people that were like, Rachel was a worthy opponent. And today, right? Just, yeah, she's these, an influence. These mm-hmm. snaky little fucks. <laughs> like, like when Marie she. Marie from Aristocats, you know, she's like, I don't start fights, but I can finish them. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and you know what? I appreciated that attitude. I did too. I needed that. As someone to take up the cause, you mm-hmm. know? I have to imagine for a certain kind of woman and man, but especially for a woman, Rachel Held Evans holds a position that, like, <laughs> Mid that Rob Bell or Donald Miller holds for like a lot of mid white boys exactly yeah <laughs> in the sense of like hey you could uh, you could do it this way too if you wanted Thank to you. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks, Donald. Donald. <laughs> can I eat chocolate when I read the Bible yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I I do feel like she gave because she wasn't like she wasn't outside of Christianity she was mm-hmm. very much like within this too. And for a person like you or me, even at the time of like, I want to be a believer, but there's so much that is so hateful and I can't mm-hmm. defend it anymore. Yes. Please give me some other path to follow. Yes. And she was like, I have it for you. And it's yeah. not illegitimate. It's actually very smart and you will be yes. equipped for this. Yeah, I think her her intelligent approach was really, as a bookish young girl, Yeah, I related to that. Well, she loved writing. Her blog is all still up for anyone that wants to check it out. And obviously... Back all her books but okay mm-hmm. so it feels like it, it started in one place it, as far as uh maybe challenging certain norms and certain like inherited kentucky stuff and family stuff <laughs> and your mom was a part of that as well as just like what you're getting into in college like it, it, we're talking about like the marginalia of of belief as far as like LGBT and and women in positions of power, but just like the question of God and like the role of God and what that is in your life. Mm -hmm. What is the steadiness, the consistency or inconsistency of that for you over the years? Like if you put yourself back in that college time, is it like, wait, is this still working? Is this working for me? How does Mm -hmm. that feel for you at that time? I I had a friend, she's the same friend actually who gave me the Rachel Hall Evans book, who once told me that if you really believe that something is true or real, you shouldn't be afraid to ask questions or to kind of poke at it because it will hold up. It will be solid. And I think for so long, I think there was a culture around me for a long time of like, oh, don't ask questions. Like, just, you know, be a good girl or whatever. And I think feeling like, oh, I can ask questions and then starting to do that and feeling like this sort of facade fell away and I found something that felt much stronger behind it. Mm-hmm. That's a very <laughs> roundabout way of saying, I feel like that core was always there. Um, and it was more just about peeling away the stuff that had been slapped on and wasn't true or real. Yeah. So I wonder if you would even put it in terms of like the kind of one-on-one stuff that a lot of lefty progressive Christians try to <laughs> like deconstruction, reconstruction, or was it more... Because the way you're visualizing it sounds more just like stripping away rather than like, and then I had to blow up the whole thing and put the pieces back together again. I never felt like that. I always felt like there was just a lot of crap all around that it was like peeling an onion. Yeah. Deaccessorizing. <laughs> yeah. As Chanel says. Exactly. <laughs> I was thinking of that. Taking some things off. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I never really felt like there was a point where I was like, I... I have nothing left, 
But I felt like, oh, there's just a lot blocking it and I got to get in there and mm-hmm. find it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what were the things blocking it? It was those issues that you were talking about before or were there like other life circumstances or other challenges that, that were tough to make connecting to? It was a challenge to connect to God. I think those issues felt personal just because it was sure. like there are people in my life I loved who were in the LGBT community that I'm like, I do support you and I affirm you. And I am a woman who is very ambitious and I don't want to be held back by anything um, because of my gender. So I I think that those issues were personal to me um, and I could see how they affected others. And so that was the driving force. Yeah. And so in adulthood, I guess I'm looking for the moment where it's like, was there ever a lack of faith in your life? Because it feels like fairly steady as, as far as the way that you're articulating it. I feel like I've always felt like a spiritual person. Like I've always felt this connection. Like I think that, like I said, there was so much that I had to strip away, but I don't know. I feel like that I've always had this like spiritual connection that I just can't, it, it hasn't broken. <laughs> that's lovely. And that's kind of rare too. Cause I feel like I don't know anyone who like, or I guess maybe just think about you and I and in, in our experiences where it's like, Oh, it broke for like, <laughs> it, it got, or it got tested in a way where it's like, is this anything right now? So yeah, that is a, that is a rare privilege and kind of gift to not feel abandoned by that in a way. Like, yeah, and I mean, who who knows? Like, life is a journey. <laughs> but I think that... Make a change. Yeah. But I think... Um, and we're here to challenge that tonight and kind of strip it away it and is, yeah, yeah, make well, you let's feel go. bad. <laughs> let's We've go. We've got champagne. <laughs> <laughs> let's do it. Like my friend said, you can prod it. We'll crack down that front. <laughs> yeah. So how does it feel now? Is God a companion? Is God... Everything is it the the reason behind all that you do? What, what does it feel like now? I would say like faith and spirituality are definitely like at my core. I think that I I feel like Dolly Parton's way of being is kind of what I aspire to of like just kind of that's capitalism, capitalism. <laughs> uh, you know, her hair, her figure, right? Mm-hmm. All of that. Um, no, just like loving people and having that really be at your core. Um, and not judging and kind of, yeah, I would, I would say that's definitely at my core. Three patrons of the first church of Dolly. Amen. Oh yeah. Yeah. I see that with you. I feel like you are someone that uh, creates and celebrates beauty in life, you know, and I could see that coming from a deep place. That's very sweet. Yeah. It's kind of rare to be able to have the capacity, like Caroline said, to do both at the same time, to both appreciate which a lot of us can do, but also create as well is Mm -hmm. uh, pretty terrific. Yes. Thank you. Hey, cheers to Julia. To Julia. Oh, wow. <laughs> Spritz. <laughs> and on that note, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back with more Good Christian Fun. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. (sighs) 
The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome back to Good Christian Fun. It's time to dive into the topic. Come on, let's go. Okay, Chronicles of Narnia. But before we get to that, what was your exposure generally in these years that we're talking about? The formative years, the youth group years, introverted Christian years, Rachel Hud Evans years, to Christian pop culture. Very entrenched. Mm -hmm. But I feel like I was always a little bit like, it was all around me, but I feel like it, I was always kind of a little behind everybody because I was like, well, I was reading this book and I don't know what you guys are talking about. A little about. disconnected from like even Christian pop culture. Yes. So that's why on. things like Which Narnia is already were great. Disconnected. Yeah. Delayed. Yeah. <laughs> Have you guys read this 50-year-old book? It's good. <laughs> I mean, I was like, I was reading Little Women. Well, yeah, and that was a, always a thing because it was like, oh, people were not allowed to read Harry Potter and I was reading Harry Potter and I was like, oh, I'm a bad girl. Oh, yeah. Are y'all stoked for the new Harry Potter TV show that's coming out that no, they announced today? I'm not. There's, <laughs> yeah. There, you are stoked for it? Yeah. Really? Hell yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> they announced it for Max today. You sound like I'm already supposed to have an opinion on it. I don't know about it. I don't I didn't see anything. It They're was doing the, like a is show it terrible? of it was the talk of the town today because they announced it for, for Max. It's no longer HBO Max. It's called Max. They rebranded Max. HBO Max. So it's just the Grinch. <laughs> Max. Now that it's called Max, I feel totally different about it, actually. Yeah, it did change a lot. And they said yeah. they're gonna do mm-hmm. a faithful adaptation of each book is gonna be one season. JK is an exec producer. Wow. And, uh, you know, we got that to look Breaking forward in the to. Cash. The last movie was 2011. And it's like, guys, it's time to redo it all over. I'm again. honestly fine with that. I think that um, Hermione could be improved upon quite a bit. Like, like Jenny could be improved like, upon as well. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> what? Kevin. Like nine when they start. No. Well, that's Lord. the thing too about TV is like they're gonna <laughs> age. Like season seven, they're gonna be forty-five years old when mm-hmm. that thing comes out. But we digress. That's another popular <laughs> another fantasy. But that leads, tale. Us, that leads us to the whole thing because obviously those books come out and then the movies come out and then that plus Lord of the Rings, right? Which to me is kind of the apex of all this. But then there's like this little fantasy boon at the turn of the century. These things do super freaking well. And then there's these books. Have you read all the books, the, all the Narnia yes, books? Yes, I have and, read all the Narnia books. Okay. And and for, have you read all the Narnia books? Yes. I have not read all the have Narnia books. Have you read books. any of them? I've read the first two. Hey. One and a half. <laughs> all right. Hey, that's something. <laughs> and I've read the first one twice. So that, that's they do. something. I, from what? I remember, to be honest, they do kind of fall off after Caspian, in my opinion. I don't know if you feel differently, mm-hmm. but I feel like the um, the magic of the first book is so strong, and then everything yes. else kind of is like a long tail dying out toward the end. I think the first of any fantasy series where they first discover the magical world is always the best, because that's, that's so the true. most exciting thing is discovering the world. But 
I did as a kid really love The Horse and His Boy because there was a princess in it. Oh, yeah. And she was very like, I honestly haven't read it since I was probably 10. But I remember her being cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was like doing stuff. Yes. Yeah. So it's a series of seven, right? Like seven books that came out in the 1950s by Jack himself, Clive Staples Lewis. Friend of J.R.R. Tolkien and fantasy book about the, how do you pronounce those kids' last freaking name? Pinsy Aviv? Pevensy, oh. I think. Pe- Pevensy. Pevensy. Yeah. Wait, yeah. Pevensy kids. Pen 15. <laughs> the Pen 15 kids. Yes. So so here's the deal with it. And and we're just talking about this movie and maybe the movies in general. I'd never seen the movies. And then I shotgunned both of them <laughs> in the last 24 hours. The 2005 one and the 2008 Prince Caspian. So 2005's Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Directed by Mr. Adam... Aaron Adamson, who of course directed Shrek. Shrek. Oh my God. <laughs> Somebody once told me. So he knows from fantasy and he knows from dragons and he, he got this job. The difference though, between something like Lord of the Rings and something like Harry Potter is you're following those characters the whole time. Your, your commonality is Harry, Ron, Hermione, Dumbledore. That's it the whole time. Lord of the Rings. It's that huge cast of characters through the three, through the three big books. With Narnia, it feels like the main character is Narnia in a lot of ways. And like Aslan's there, but but as far as the children go, and at the end of this one, they're like, hey, you're too old. You can't come back to Narnia. And they just kind of like shift them in and out over the seven books. It's There's like not- the city is a character. Whoa. It's like Narnia is the fifth children. Dexter agrees with me. That is interesting. Yeah, I do feel like now that you're saying it, it does make sense that Narnia feels like the thing that Clive is most concerned about. Like Mm. the preservation, the revitalization, the life and the like population of Narnia is Mm -hmm. what's important. Mm -hmm. Not so much about the character development of any one child that's like tossed into there. Yeah, like where's uh, where's Edmund going to end up in book seven? That's not really what you're tracking. There's like a whole other kid. Like in book seven. <laughs> the like, horse and his boy takes place entirely in Narnia and there are no other characters who aren't from Narnia in it. Yeah. It's like a standalone He book. freaked it on this series. He was like, <laughs> no. <I'm> gonna- <laughs> How do we feel generally about like the C.S. Lewis canon? His stuff, his fiction, his nonfiction, Space Trilogy, Mere Christianity, Screw Tape. Were you into that? Were you into the other stuff as well? Um, I read a lot of it as a kid, but I remember, I think it was Mere Christianity, and I was like, yeah, this is great. And then it gets to like, and women just, uh, they don't really want anything. I can't remember. There's something about yeah, there. And I was right. like, okay, well, now you lost me. So. Yeah, he was dumb. He was a pioneer, especially in the British world, for uh, women be like humor. Yeah. <laughs> like that was kind of something <laughs> that American stand-ups Shopping. a few decades later, yeah. <laughs> Which a lot of, it's funny because this book actually, a lot of people criticize it because Susan's like not allowed to come back to Narnia. And in the book, I think it's in the book, it's like, oh, she's wearing lipstick. Like she's becoming a woman. Oh yeah, I was reading that on the Wikipedia of like, she was only concerned with like getting invites out and lipstick and whatever. And yeah, it's like, how became too dare much of a girl. she? Yeah. yeah. Which does, yeah, it is so funny because watching these movies for the first time and, and then even remembering the books, it is boy shit, right? Like this is like a lot of boy and then... We have to restore the prince and like, and not to be super gendered about like genre stuff, but it feels like a lot of that. I think in some ways, it, it's hard to argue necessarily with the kids in particular, what 
is more favored or not. Because also, like, Lucy is the one that sees Aslan mm-hmm. the most often. And Lucy and Susan are the ones most often, like, championing moving the story forward mm-hmm. on, like, an emotional and, like, a story way. Yeah, you you're know? right. You're right. So I think that... <laughs> Who knows what, like, CS was going for. But I think that there's a reason, you know, kids like Julia and I really were drawn to it, too, mm-hmm. is, like, it isn't just boy shit. It's not all battles. It's also, like, some politicking and some connection and spirituality mm-hmm. and then just, like, magic. <laughs> I mean, it's the original royalty. Believe Women. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and I think I yeah. think— uh, I'm saying like the kind of male dominated trappings of fantasy is is the way I felt watching the movies. Mm, I, yes, I would believe that a thousand percent about whatever the books are that I haven't read yet. And now I really want to because <laughs> just like and just briefly my experience of watching that first movie. I don't know how long it's been since either of you have seen. Long time. The the original Lion Witch in the Wardrobe, not the BBC one, but the first Disney one. Uh, which was a huge hit. It was a huge, huge hit for them. And then this one was kind of a little stinker for them. And then mm-hmm. Disney said, we're not going to make any more. And so then Fox had to make the next one. But uh, the first one, it felt like someone had read the book and they were exhaustedly kind of recapping it for you. Like, yeah, and then there's this guy and he's got <laughs> little hooves. And, and then this white, like, it was so, and that movie is also like two hours and 20 minutes. It's not a short movie. But it felt like, yeah, yeah, you get it. Let's like, move along. It's like fantasy stuff. And there's not a lot of, um, even the wonder and, and the kind of awe and the tenderness of that world that I remember feeling yeah. from from the initial read of the book is just kind of just blazed on through. The pace is so weird in the movie. Yeah. And there's like cinematic concessions you have to make to the idea of, well, it's a big action movie, so let's elongate the battle scenes and stuff. But truly, in that first, I, was, I didn't really understand the relationship that the kids had with each other. I didn't understand Aslan's relationship with the whole world. But I, I was just bringing the context I had from the book. And yeah. so I do think this movie that we all watched today, Prince Caspian, is a better movie start to finish, at least doing that A-B comparison like I did today, even though it's equally strange in pace and very long in, in two and a half hours. But I, I was uh, really stunned at how not magical the first one felt for those reasons. Yeah, that's weird. Mm-hmm. I remember it feeling really magical, but I the last time I saw it was literally in theaters. So yeah. We were just a little I was like, everything's magical. <laughs> well, maybe you too. You like, you know, imbued it with your own reading and like feeling of mm. it as well. I was, I was you just gotta adding. read these books, Kevin. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to. Tease it. It's I'm, fine. I'm reading there another C.S. Lewis book right now called like <laughs> On Criticism or whatever. Like his nonfiction stuff is so fun. And it's one of those where it's like, what's he saying? And you gotta reread it five yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you think that's fun, these are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I'm sure I'd enjoy the Space Trilogy, too. Yeah. This one was very battle-heavy, though. And I think you're right. Like, there has to be some kind of action going on for a movie, but it did feel like we were just always fighting. Oh, Mm -hmm. yes. I did not remember how long this movie was. I was like, get to the point. Please. Get to Ben Barnes as Prince Caspian. (laughs) I think my favorite part is when they go to Care Paravel for the first time and they're like yeah. remembering and they, yeah like the kind of sad nostalgia of like oh it's all this shattered ruins but then there's the treasure room and everything's still there. They really skip over the emotional damage that becoming a full adult and then becoming a child that again. 
would yes. wreck you. Well, was well, very understated. Yes. It was weird. Yeah, the thing that, and I didn't realize this because I hadn't read the second book, but the first one ends with they just age into their twenties in Narnia, and it's been like fifteen minutes in the real world, yeah. and then they mm-hmm. come out and they're children again. This movie finds them being kind of fucked up from the experience, like. What, like, uh, you know, Peter's picking fights in the subway. Yeah. Is Peter his name? Yes. Peter. Yeah. Oh, yes. that makes more sense, too, why Susan was like, I'm not going to talk to this kid that's trying to flirt with me because that's a child. Yeah. She's a woman. They're like I'm a woman. Old pe- so it is Weird. messed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's sort of like Twilight. Like, she's Edward. She is Edward. Yes. And, you know, she's much older, mm-hmm. but she'll find her teenage boy. <laughs> her yeah. also elderly teenage the dream boy, for I all hope. Of us. <laughs> you know, we need women to have their vampire moment too. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's not fair for the men to be the only ones dating eternal high schoolers. Say that. Wow. Yeah, I'm it is I'm interesting. I'm hoping to be that boy for someone. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I hope so too. But yeah, they are like, I think that that, I, yeah, that could have been lingered on a little bit more. But I guess mm-hmm. it shows up in like how well they do at planning and like communication mm, yes. and like running shit, you know? Sure. And just like a brief recap of the first one, it's four children in war-torn uh, London. In jolly old London. They go into a wardrobe, they find a magical land. And the the clearest allegory is it's a lot of uh, a lot of the gospel story of instead of pieces of silver and gold that Judas betrays Christ with. It's little Edmund taking some sweeties from the White Witch. Mm-hmm. Turkish betray- Delight, famously, Turkish Delight, which is That's, not very good. No. It sounds amazing, but it is it is not. I like it. And Aslan, the sort of Jesus stand in line, dies and then rises and is resurrected. And he is a, a sacrifice. And there's this kind of awe and wonder around him as a character. And even in, I will say in that first movie and in this one, the animation was like, you know, good enough for a movie made almost 20 years ago and, and uh, captivating enough. He's voiced by Liam Neeson. Do either of you for real know who the original pick was for the voice of Aslan the Lion Mm-mm. in these movies? It was, it was Brian, Gilbert Gottfried. It was Brian oh, Cox. Brian. It was oh, for real Brian Cox. It was. It's absolutely Why right. didn't he do it? Well, the director, who I think I said was Aaron Adamson, it's Andrew Adamson, I want to put respect on his name, he said like in another interview, oh, we were getting into it and it wasn't a good fit, whatever that means, Mm. who knows? And it's not like the star power of Liam Neeson made the children show up, so who who knows what actually happened, but it is funny to- uh, His star power made me show up as a child. I was like, well, now I gotta see it. I gotta go. (laughs) Wait, do do you remember thinking that? No, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, so we were we were robbed of maybe um, some Brian Coxian rhythms for Aslan, and Dexter sad about it too. Sweet guy. Um, are you, were you still recapping this movie? The first one? Yes. Oh, they eventually okay. again they age into their twenties. Yes. They come back okay. changed and probably really messed up from mm-hmm. their time. Back to being children. And then this finds them in the middle of a whole different kind of story, also taking place in Narnia, but more. A sort of palace intrigue, 1,300 years have passed since the last time they were there because a year has passed in the real world. And there's a prince uh, who's, you know, uh, in line to inherit the throne. There's an uncle who's trying to off him and shiv him. There's a, a young man that's born, so then that gives him the permission because then he can inherit the throne. And then he calls upon the horn. The kids come into the world rather than the wardrobe. 
it kind of transformed from a train station. I don't know if that's what happened in the book. Was that the case in the book that it was like a train station? So they come in and they're just kind of helping this medieval epic quest already in play. And all of the people from the, or all the characters, I should say, from the OG, the cool beaver, his cool wife, dead. Mr. Tumnus, dead. dead. (laughs) It's been 1,300 years. Aslan, gone. Gone around the same time that these little British kids are gone. And so everyone's like, this all sucks. And and it's a a weird, almost like um, colonization metaphor or allegory as well, where Narnia, quote unquote, no longer exists. As much as it as much as it did before, and it's instead um, replaced by the land of I want to say freaking what marine telemarine telemarine yes. yes yeah they take over. Apparently, there was like some sort of kerfuffle where like he made it so that like humans eventually kind of came into Narnia after the children did, and sort of like came into the land, and then those were the humans that eventually took over Narnia and. These are their descendants. But in later books, he was like, just kidding. There's always been humans in Narnia, and these are just some of them. So don't worry about it. I love the idea of him just like doing jazz on each book. And then, like I said, <laughs> and then he was, was like, here's guy, the remix. This guy that you didn't know about, he was there the whole time. And if you look around the corner, like just like fantasy authorship. Exactly. I do remember on this topic, like when I started this second book as a kid, I remember feeling so devastated because. He spends a long time talking about how magical Narnia was. And now the world these children enter is basically like boring old normal world. Mm -hmm. It's only humans. Nothing talks. The trees don't move. The bears are mean. The bears are mean. (laughs) Like there is just nothing beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like the cities aren't nice anymore. Like everything is just basically as gross and nasty as old London town or Mm -hmm. New York for that matter. Hey, why are you gesturing at me? <laughs> the great defender. You know. And it's filled with just as many rats. Hey. <laughs> so my rats don't like, talk. Yeah, that just like a great, I felt such a loss. Like I was grieving when I was reading this book too because I was just like, oh man, it is so sad that this very world where everything had like burgeoned into magic has like died out now into this like boring, yeah, medieval succession drama or whatever. So it kind of it, it was kind of effective at making you feel yes in the book. Yeah, and man, yeah. because the children are experiencing it too, and they're just like, "Where is this world?" And their world was so beautiful, and Caraparavel was like this like beautiful city by the sea and all this stuff. And um, I mean, you get a little bit of that in the movie, but I just wanted to touch on that because it's important. Julia, you wanted to do this movie instead of the first one. Why is that? Well. This one is the one that I think as a kid I had a stronger memory of because of the hotness of Prince Caspian. Okay. Strong. And also because of the Regina Spector song at the end. (laughs) (laughs) And that is, those are the two reasons. Listen, I mean, not opposed to a needle drop theme song for even your period piece. There is something about the cognitive dissonance. And I love (laughs) Regina, but the cognitive dissonance of a woman who kind of calcified cursive singing yes. in in like a peer drama where I'm like, I don't know what I'm looking at. Like it messed with my brain chemistry so hard to see knights and people with swords and like, that was a guy. And it's like, this is different from India. This is different from like a, a timeless Annie Lennox type, like wailing <laughs> over middle a little earth. folk singer. But as a teenager, I was like, oh my gosh, this is everything. I was obsessed with that song. It was because you're like, oh, and she's leaving this hot prince and mm. this emotional song is playing. And I would listen to it in the middle of the night and just be like, like no. 
The song is called The Call, I believe. Yeah. When I would babysit kids, I would sing this song really? to them, like "Good Night," you know. And I was like trying to get them to go to sleep. Do what you want to know was... the? You want to know the worst thing about it? This song was album only, of on the Prince Caspian soundtrack. Uh-huh. So you had to buy the entire Prince Caspian album <laughs> to own the <laughs> to get, call. Get and yes, I did do that. Well, do what you got to do. You do what you got to do. I worked in two thousand eight. Um, was it even nominated for the Oscar? I don't think it was. Wow, what a tragedy. Unforge. But listen, here's one thing that you're touching on because this is the song that starts playing when Susan gives old Prince Caspi a kiss. One thing that's very different and touches upon maybe some uh, uh, amorous reasons that you might want to talk about this movie. Prince Caspi in the book is 13 years old. He's a 13-year-old boy. He was thir- I th- he was thirteen in this oh. too. I think is that you was that your read on that, Julia? <laughs> <laughs> this is a thirteen kind of a thirteen year old little boy the, sort yeah. of just <laughs> fresh out of t ball. Ben Barnes, who plays Prince Caspian, is twenty six at the time. A, fully a man. And again, man. Susan in the first one is like fourteen or fifteen. So it you know it and like Amazing. I'm not trying to problematize it, but it is an interesting. It is a sort of cinematic concession of like. Okay, and I guess the prince has to be hot. It kind of makes more sense if you keep the king like a a kind of boy king in over his head. Mm-hmm. I actually don't know if I understand the dramatic necessity for aging him up so much in this movie. I'm I'm not sure other than eye candy for impressionable young Christian women at the time, I suppose. And do you have to have more of a reason than that? I guess not. If it goes for the guys, I would say that might be more Powerful important stuff. than narrative Sense. Mm, yeah, no, I see that now. I appreciate that. I hated that. Edmund. Did you think I'm going to watch Edmund 2.0? Well, Edmund in the first one I don't was care. a word. <laughs> and this one, he, you know, he redeems himself yeah, a little bit. Cool. But yeah. the biggest, like, explicit, because so much of the true, like, prose and poetry of the books is obviously for time reasons and then for whatever concern, it's kind of sucked out of this. But then there's a few things that are left over. And of course, the biggest one is just like the Aslan of it all. Aslan is not present for most of this. And I think the explicit theme of the book and then in the movie through Lucy's experience of Aslan is like a testing of faith. What is your faith when God is far away, when God feels far away? Aslan's not helping out with the battles. Aslan's not helping out with all the, you know, throne conflict and warfare and whatnot. And she keeps thinking she sees him, but maybe not and not really. And she feels guided a little bit, but it's all distant and far away and, and sort of hard to hold on to. Do you, do you all remember those themes from the book at all? Or I'm trying to remember that part of the book, but I'm like, maybe that's why this second movie was so fascinating to me as a kid. Cause it's like the first movie is just like, wow, like magical world, all of that. But I feel like this second one hit at a time where it was like, it had all those themes in it. It feels more of a coming of age story kind of for both Prince Caspian and for the other kids. Whereas the first one, it's just feels more of a standard fantasy tale. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think maybe that's why I felt like I had a more emotional reaction as a kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And Reapy Cheap is in this one. Reapy Cheap is played by Eddie Izzard. Love Reapy Cheap. Little mouse slicing and dicing people up. When When they bring him out, on a little stretcher and they're playing bagpipes. That, oh, that shit. You don't think shit. he's going to make it? 
I will say, and and it felt like a fever dream experience watching these back to back since like seven a.m. this morning with like some breaks in between for work and whatnot. But anything to do with like the cute little animals doing mm-hmm. things like gearing up for war, like when the beavers are putting on chainmail in the oh, first nice. movie, and yes, the mice doing their thing and like respecting each other, and, and him making himself prostrate and, and before Aslan, that shit works. They cast Eddie Izzard for this one. Recasting with Simon Pegg in the next one. Have y'all seen Voyage of the Dawn Shredder, the third one? I didn't even know it existed. I have seen it. (laughs) But I saw it once when it came out, and um, I only really remember Reapy Cheap's scene Mm -hmm. at the end. He's a star. I I was just... (laughs) He is the moment. He has the star power. (laughs) I was was just curious after watching these two, because... A lot of the, the the location shooting and a lot of the effect, it's a the very pretty movies to look yeah. at. Very gorgeous movie. Obviously, New Zealand core, much like the Lord of the Rings stuff, and just like gorgeous locations. The third one is shot in Australia for half the budget because this one was kind of a box office bomb. Mm. It looks like crap, and it like it looks poorly lit. They're shooting on digital and stuff. Even from the like two minutes I was engaging with, I was like, oh, okay, this isn't it. You started watching it? Yeah, just to see like what it was like. Will Poulter, who everyone likes now, that British boy, he's in it. Mm. as like their cousin that also gets sucked into Narnia as well. Um, Eustace Scrub. Yes, that's his name. But but in this movie, I found the most salient, if we're going to connect it to the themes of good Christian fun and, and all this stuff, it was about the testing of faith, but it did kind of bum me out in some of the way that it manifests, which is like, yeah, Aslan's gone and he's not going to help you at all until he does if you are in the right place at the right time for it. But it felt like that sort of language that I think a lot of us have experienced in other parts and in, in portions of like Christianity and church life of there, there was one line in particular I remember writing down, which is... uh one of the kids is saying to the other, I wish he would give us some sort of proof that he's still mm-hmm. here in Narnia or here to protect us or just around at all because he hasn't been around in 1,300 years. And the other kid responds, maybe we're the ones that need to prove ourselves to him, which I think is a sort of crystallization of a lot of things that feel bad about Christianity and feel a little messed up. Does God feel far away? Have you considered you're the problem? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and also that, like, you know, your faith experience is only as good as, like, the last close moment you felt with God. Mm -hmm. Or, like, you know, now it's it's where you're being tested. Why are you being tested all of a sudden? They already believed, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. they were already into it. And wasn't it Aslan who set the expectation that he would show up in times of trouble? Mm-hmm. So it's only reasonable that they would be frustrated and sad that like someone who had been their champion is now like, well, you do it. And you better believe in me still, or else you're not like a good kid or something. Yeah. I do think in terms of Aslan's character, he is not as likable in this one. Yeah. <laughs> as in the first one, I think, well, I know, Kevin, you were saying you didn't necessarily emotionally connect with him in the first book as but I, much. Uh, well, in the first movie. Or I, the first in, movie, in, I mean. In the book, I did. But the first movie, it just felt like a little, yeah, and Aslan, and you get it, right? Like, they, I wanted a little more time, even yeah. though it was so long. <laughs> so I did want <laughs> more time. It should have been a three-hour movie, really. Yeah. Uh, but I think Aslan structurally works really well in the first movie. In the second movie, I feel like structurally, 
it was a little all over the place. And he, his character was not, not as likable. Yeah, he just kept saying, like, nothing happens the same way twice. And then he said it the same way twice. So riddle me <laughs> but, that one. But, no, he was in a different part of the forest when he said it the second time. Oh, so my bad. It was I couldn't even understand, like, wildly different. that was supposed to be something poignant. And I can't even what understand, like, what, what is that? Yeah, like, it. I don't even know if it connected to the story beyond, like, yeah, literally things were different this time. Like, I, what's the takeaway there? Don't expect things to repeat. Things never Idiot. happen the same way twice. I'm I'm <laughs> I, I'm looking up anything it could it could possibly mean. What is your brain telling you, Kevin? Oh gosh. I mean, no, because <laughs> there are things where it's like, okay, clearly this is a sort of like this is like the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and a lot of the allegory, and I don't think this is a fault, but it's not it's not light touch. It's pretty heavy-handed. But I think that's fine, especially for children's literature. But something like this was a little more opaque. And what was it, what was the other sort of platitude that accompanied it? Like, it doesn't matter what happened. It only matters what will happen, which just felt like kind of Confucius-y core. You yeah. Know? Well, I think like, the first one had a really clear, like, just one theme, whereas this one felt like there were multiple themes going on where it was like, okay, right. which one are we doing? Growing up or like conceding power to someone else or, like, mm -hmm. not trying to be too brave sometimes. Like, that was your mistake. Now half of the Minotaurs are dead. Yeah. And I and, and, and truly, the first movie, the movie, not the book, but the movie didn't feel like it was about anything. There was no thematic, like, yeah, okay. Like, it was just the events that kind of happened. Like, yeah, he dies, he comes back. This movie, it is messing around more with, like, true themes of what does it mean to steward power responsibly? Because the whole deal is, mm -hmm. hey, you know, Caspian says to the kind of uh, runaway refugees of Narnia who are living in the outskirts of the woods, you know, join me in this fight and I can restore power and balance. <laughs> it did kind of strike me as, guys, elections work. Just get out the vote. <laughs> right, just and I will one be, push. I'll be the good king. I didn't know you existed until just now, but I love you guys and I love the kind of power you but bring If to we the could field. bring a coalition that shows yeah, up to the polls I'll on Tuesday. I'll definitely appoint a lot of you, a lot of you to the cabinet. <laughs> That's what it felt like. So so th there were things where it's like, this is about something. This is like actually about more things. And in Lucy's story, you could track it more with that. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't about one thing in a way that that gave it clarity. Yes. And, and, and brought the things because ultimately, and maybe this was Lewis's intention in the original book, I'd be curious to read it. Uh, but I think a lot of this criticism is shared by book readers, is that Aslan's role is more of just like a weird parent. Where it's like, see, you gotta scrape your knee up and learn not to run. Sometimes. That's why you always leave yeah. a note. Yeah. Like, you'll just say something <laughs> like that, like, okay. And then he just comes and, and fucks everything up with the, uh, you know, with the soldiers and swallows them with the god of water or whatever. In the book, just like looking up some of the differences, Aslan then goes around to the villages and performs miracles. Like, truly, oh, he oh, like yeah. turns water into wine and he heals people. You see a little bit of that where he gives a uh, little mouse soldier. What, um, his tail back. Petey Creepy. Reepy What's his cheap. name? Creepy Cheap. Creepy Cheap? Creepy Cheap. Creepy Cheap. <laughs> what I call him? Creepy Pete. Creepy. <laughs> Creepy Pete. <People> he <laughs> reminded me of you. Speak on that. In what way? Kind of swagger. Yeah. His confidence, his bravado, his sort of... And he was like, give me my tail back. <laughs> and I've been, you know, I've been... <laughs> 
So Julia's referring to, I've been training for a marathon. I've been doing a lot of squats in the morning. And <laughs> uh, yeah. that is part of my like. <laughs> I get a little tail. I have a fitness Please, prayer. God. And I'm like, God, <laughs> give me my tail Give pack. me that be- peach. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah. <give me laughs> and the rest of us are like, we'll give up ours for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll take it. <laughs> Please. Handling. I have plenty to spare. I thought. You know, even though I'm like, ah, there's like a lot of action and fancy whatever. I did think that the battles at the end were pretty interestingly staged and well done. Uh, as far as like the choreography and the the way, you know. And some of the attacks were very brutal in nature. Like when when the Narnians are locked into the oh, to the so castle sad. and slaughtered, it's Truly grim in a way yeah. that I, I had not anticipated. You never see like blood get spilled like or like an actual yeah. cut, but you see that people are dying mm-hmm. a lot. I, I'm curious what Lewis or even this movie is trying to communicate about the nature and character of God as he perceives him to be. It j- just other than like he will show up eventually – I don't know if there's more to interpret other than that. And I struggle. He even knew. Like, well, and he would also say, like, this isn't literally about God. If you want to believe that, like, fine. And it's like a lion turning water into wine. He's like, it's not about (laughs) Jesus. It's not. It's not. Well, lions will do that. (laughs) I could honestly see him, like, as an author, just being like, the stuff that Jesus did was, like, interesting and cool. What if I bring that to this kind of like magical guide character, you know, that like carries with them along the journey. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I hope it's not a strong allegory for God because I wouldn't like the God that's presented in Caspian for all the reasons we talked about. Mm -hmm. He's super vague, not really there when you need him, but like there when you decide you don't need him anymore, you know, but then you still have to go search for him and only talks to certain ones of them. And then kicks you out if you're old. <laughs> yeah. All right, you've learned everything you, you can from this place. That was the longest like conversation they had with Aslan. You didn't even hear them talk. And it, it's him telling Peter and Susan, like, time to go. Pack yeah. your bags. Because they're how old at that point? Because they might be 16 in London years, but then they spent however many years yeah. in Narnia years. So that's, they they're, like, they're in their 40s, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Crazy. So maybe maybe Narnia is more like Narnia is youth group, and at a certain point, it's mm-hmm. like you've done Please your time. go to college group. You yeah. need to kind of move on. Stop hanging out. We don't want you in the praise band. Yeah, so it's Aslan getting weird. is maybe more of a youth pastor type figure <laughs> as opposed to a that god would make figure. More sense. Yeah, a little vague. He's trying to be there. Maybe not can relate to some of the kids more than others. Mm-hmm. Are are you both of you fans of the Lord of the Rings movies, the original trilogy from two thousand? Oh my god, yes, yeah, sure, adore them. I mean, that feels like, and they were bros. Him and Tolkien were famously bros and little drinking buddies. They wrote at their little pub together. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, They'd have their little spats with each other. Yeah, and it just feels like it feels like every. This is not unique to this movie. I thought this way after Dungeons and Dragons, which I really liked a lot. But every movie that's kind of like this, I'm like, wow, Lord of the Rings is so good. I know, right? Lord of the Rings is one of the best movies Because it's just, and you didn't even understand it as a kid watching it, but every part of each character making sense and being about something and being about love and friendship Mm -hmm. and devotion. Making you feel it. And even the battles weren't just like, watch how cool this battle can be. It was like, I'm scared. It was, and (laughs) there are emotional stakes. Yeah. Yeah. The stakes were a little more clear in a way that I do wonder 
what the best case scenario, you know, because this is like a Burger King of Lord of the Rings McDonald's in a lot of ways, right? Like they, they saw what was happening. The current state of Narnia affairs is that Netflix bought the rights to it in 2018. They haven't oh. done anything with it yet, but obviously they will probably start producing something at some point. There were rumors a year ago that Greta Gerwig was circling a, a negotiation oh. of doing some sort of adaptation. My dream would be for Greta Gerwig to do a White Witch prequel. <laughs> I would like to see the rise so of the White like Witch. Like a Cruella situation, yeah. if you Well, you know, Cruella is an Oscar-winning movie. And it is an Oscar-winning movie, <laughs> Cruella is. Kevin famously loves it. Uh, so I, I, so don't I think you would agree with me that, that, that would White be. Witch is such an amazing character. I love her. We got a glimpse that we she is in this movie as well for just a moment where like Caspian is tempted for a half a second to like summon her in order to win the battle for sure. Yeah. And then Edmund stabs her through the ice and it's like, never mind. <laughs> she's gone. Yeah. A mesmerizing that's, and that's scene. That truly. That. Yeah. She's uh-huh. got a cameo on this. She's got a cameo on the next one. I obviously don't know because I haven't read. I don't know if she's in the books. And the way that she's in these, where it's like, hey, remember me? But it did <laughs> feel back. like, yeah, look who's back again. <laughs> but it did feel like, yeah, the franchisification of it a little bit. But I do wonder if there was more space and a little less action-oriented stuff. If it was like a chilled out, each book is like two or three hour and a half long episodes. Mm-hmm. It was more dialogue-driven than action-driven. Yeah. And done by someone who, like, understands how to mess with IP and transform it in a way that feels new. Like a Gerwig or whoever the case may be, if that would be, like, a more successful version of it. Yeah, like, cut cut some of the random stuff. Maybe cut Aslan altogether. Don't need him. <laughs> cut the yeah. White Witch scene. Yeah, can we have a retirement party for Aslan? Like, <laughs> bro. Maybe Prince Let's succession Aslan. <laughs> See how the kids react. Yeah, and maybe even, like, it would have been cool, honestly, to have the kids, like, I don't know, maybe talk with the Narnian characters a little bit more. Like, what's life been like the last thousand years while we were gone? Mm-hmm. Did our legacy actually harm or did it help? You know, like, what could we have done better? Are yeah. we too concerned with our legacy? Like, those would have been interesting themes if they could have taken the emotional time for the conversation. And they touch upon it, like, in the in the very beginning when they're like, I miss it. I wish I was back there mm-hmm. in a way that feels like, it's not like, that was so fun. I wish I could do that again. But it's like, I... I hate my life. I spent so much time there that this feels wrong mm-hmm. to be back there. And you're right. If they played the given circumstances of that stuff mm-hmm. in a long enough time and made that stuff feel earned, that could be so... Good. Yeah, and their return to power or to like pulling back the bow for the first time again, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like that could have been really impactful and cool and exciting to see as like a kid. I think having to re redo the world building of like now this is what the world looks like. Oh, here's this new character Caspian. Like that takes up so much room that you you miss the room that you could have had to do that emotional mm-hmm. work. Yeah, for totally. the children's characters. They had to lay a lot of groundwork on like. The family around. Caspian. I'm like, I don't like, understand the other guy. Of this. Yeah, like skip. <laughs> I learned a lot about the general of their army. You know, I'm like, who's this? <laughs> he's he's got a lot to deal with in this movie. Good, good lord. So it could be Gerwig. I wonder who else would be exciting for an adaptation in the future of this stuff. Are there any names that come to mind for either of you? Of like, mm-hmm. oh, this person has a good history. Or like, might be able to understand. I'd love to see Lena Dunham's take. Oh my gosh. That'd be interesting. She's good. Is should I watch Girls? It seems like I Have should watch Girls. Have you never watched Girls? I've no, never watched yeah, Girls. Definitely. Oh my god. Yes. I like I Girls is 
a great show. It feels like it's aging spectacularly. Did you watch Catherine Called Birdie? No. It no, was, but it I was heard good. that was, was great. Good. That was a book I loved as a kid. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You gotta watch Girls. Uh, okay, I'll yeah, watch you'll, Girls. You'll enjoy it a lot. It's so, so good. Lena Dunham's Narnia. So, <laughs> so one, one of the way Susan is Marnie. Just, uh, you know, you take two unexpected things and you mash them Never together. <laughs> like I wouldn't have thought Greta Gerwig is Barbie, you know. And here we are. I know. We'll see. We'll see what she ends up doing. Have you? I've not watched the trailer. Have you watched the trailer mm-hmm. for it? Mm-hmm. Doesn't give much away. So yeah. hard to know. But still, I don't want to see it. I'm so excited. Anything else we want to say about this movie? Anything else? Any any Christian thematics that kind of poked at us in a way we weren't expecting? I love Reapy Cheap. Reapy Cheap. No, I think I think Reapy Cheap. I'm seeing a lot of Puss in Boots in him, so I I see that <laughs> yeah. parallel. Oh, yeah, he does. He's giving Puss in Boots. Yes. Puss in Boots. <laughs> One of the great American movies. All right. Well. Julia, the way it works on this show is that we give things a, th- a thumbs up or a thumbs down. A thumbs up is a holy toast. That's when we say to this film. Yeah, 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 yeah. If we give it a thumbs down, that's when we send it to hell and we say. No, 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 no. Or if we're not sure, if we don't want to be that extreme, send mm. it to heaven, send it to hell. We can send it to purgatory, which is what we call. The space between. Caroline, we'll start with you. Um, I think I'm going to give it a roast. I think it was, for all the reasons we talked about, I wasn't really connecting to it. Um, it was so long. (laughs) It was so long. It was so long and long in the ways that were not enjoyable, especially for someone who's a fantasy enthusiast. You thought I would really have like been into it. I didn't know you were a fantasy enthusiast. I think I am. Um, I didn't and, mean to say boy shit then and sound dismissive. <laughs> no, that's okay. No, I mean, I mean, I, I understand the gist of what you're saying, but like, yeah, I think I, I don't know. Maybe I have such high hopes, and like these books were, and those kids, and Susan and Lucy, and I identified with Lucy a lot as a kid, like being the youngest and like trying so hard. Um, that I have high expectations for this, and they they missed them. Wow. Yeah, that's disappointing. We turn it to Julia. I agree with what Caroline said, but for me, it's going to be stuck in purgatory because Caspian of Caspian and that amazing Regina Spector song. Hair. That thirteen-year-old boy <laughs> bringing drawing I mean, you out of purgatory. Well, because and and again, when Julia was talking to me about like yo Prince Caspian, because he was just so formed. I was like, isn't he a boy in that? <laughs> Man. Not understanding <laughs> that they changed the age. <laughs> children, right? That final scene, that final scene brought it up for me. Well, and again, this is a director that knows how to end a movie with a needle drop, whether it be the call, whether it be now I'm a believer. Yeah. Sure. Oh, by the way, speaking of hot boys in this, Peter is very cute. I remember him being huge for me. I, I agree. Support. Damn. <laughs> Crickets for Peter. Sorry, dude. Try harder. <laughs> Grow that hair out. That, that is so funny. The silence implies like Julia had a relationship with the actor who played Peter in a way that she does not feel Cannot comfortable on. commenting no comment. on. It would be bad to talk about that I can't on discuss William. We open that chapter. That, I understand. What about you, Kev? Listen, as an ardent fan of that first book that I did finish twice, 
<laughs> and then as someone who has experienced a sort of like uh, a euphoric state of just being in Narnia for the last 12 hours, it feels like, really mm-hmm. the last 24 hours, I feel like I had um, a positive experience in comparison to the first one that felt like a true letdown. And I admire a lot of the things I was going after. And I feel charmed by the music, some of the practical effects and the way the the centaurs and minotaurs had like actual heads on them. It wasn't just CGI goop all the time. The beautiful locations, great gowns, beautiful gowns. Great gowns. That Mm -hmm. being said, I didn't end up feeling anything for anyone. And I did want a little bit more of an emotional center. It was funny in researching uh, these movies, looking up interviews uh, of, of people commenting on it. Kenneth Lonergan, who people may know as the writer director behind uh, You Can Count On Me or Manchester by the Sea and also uh, Mr. J. Smith Cameron, Jerry from Succession's husband. He did some interview where he was uh, plugging one of his movies and he said, did you see those Narnia movies? They were bad. <laughs> and like filmmakers are usually like very magnanimous and like, oh yeah, I'm really excited to see that one or whatever. He was like, I don't understand why they had to go through an emotional journey. There's like these weird scenes. And I love those books. I adore them. But that was, that was not it. I'm with him on that. And, you know, honestly, I think reading the news, reading the 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 piece of history where it's like Brian Cox almost voice this it, it kind of bummed me out mm. that you know aslan the lion that we didn't get to hear his take on it right but then this is crazy guys <laughs> okay <laughs> this is gonna blow your mind <laughs> i found his audition tape. oh you did wow. I, on your research you found it yeah i was like so dig- cool i went through the way back you know, Time Machine, the Internet Archive, and I actually yeah. found... You did the work. They uploaded a mm-hmm. voiceover of his audition. Mm. <laughs> I, would you guys like to hear? Uh, I'm, what I'm he, dying to if hear If we're allowed it. to, yeah. Like? Yeah, if, I mean, I don't even know if I have the rights to I'd this I'd say or release not, but, the tape. Release yeah, the tape. But, but here's Brian Cox's Aslan. Do not cite the deep magic to me, which I was fucking there when it was written, you morons. <laughs> <laughs> so that was one line he did. That's pretty good. Um, <laughs> a little different things take. never happened the same way twice you little fuckheads <laughs> <laughs> and then there was yeah this was a longer one if the witch bitch knew the true meaning of sacrifice she might have interpreted the deep magic differently like a real fucking person <laughs> that when a willing victim who has committed no treachery is killed in a traitor's stead the stone table will crack and even death itself would fuck off and turn backwards Wow. Wow. Powerful. Yeah. And powerful stuff. You know, it would have been a different movie, you know? Yeah, that's like, true. Casting is ever casting is more than half of it, right? Mm-hmm. But I would like to, you know, maybe in Greta's version mm-hmm. of it. A bit more of an emotional reading. <laughs> yeah. Of the lines. But yeah, like Liam Neeson is very, um, you know, regal and very restrained. And his is a little more. Yeah, <laughs> looser. Uh-huh. Shoot from the hip. Where it's like, <laughs> are you allowed to say this, dude? <laughs> well, right. you know, they say Aslan is dangerous. He is. So, yeah, but he's, he's not safe. Uh-huh. But he's good. That's uh-huh. right. That and that, I'm getting that. We're getting that more of that. That's for sure. <laughs> and I'm getting. He's not safe, and I'm not sure if he's good <laughs> either. But good you know what? That is okay. So, all right. Well, you know, maybe if they finally make those freaking adaptations, we'll have a reason to return to Narnia. I don't want to talk so. about that first movie. I don't want to watch the third movie, but maybe we will one day. But all right. Let's get out of this wardrobe. Let's get back to the real world. Oh. And 
Take it to a more worshipful place, worshipful space. We've eaten all the Turkish delight. We're stuffed. And uh, we're ready to, you know, empty ourselves. <laughs> Our bowels, I guess. <laughs> Let it flow. It was right. Julia was right. Turkish delight is no good. So you, you, you are going to want to empty yourself. <laughs> And Julia, on other podcasts you've been on, uh, you may promote yourself or plug your projects. We're not here to do that. We're here to lift them up to the Lord, including something you might want to lift up in secular culture. The last great thing you watched, that you read, that you listened to, that you heard. And we're going to start, as per usual, with Caroline. You can lift me up. Nothing happens the same way twice at Caroline's Farts. It's always new. It's always fresh. It's always me tweeting some version of, I need $10,000. But a different, it never happens. The $10,000 is never asked for twice. <laughs> That's right. It's always different. Um, and I'm going to lift up two books this episode. One. I read two books this year. Kevin's <laughs> sweating. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, I've read books. <laughs> one, obviously, is A Most Agreeable Murder by my friend, Julia Seals. Pre-order that shit. Get it going. Let's go. Let's make this a big, big book for her. Um, I've, I got a little preview. I haven't read the book itself, but I have mm. maybe read other material, and it was so fun and fantastic. And uh, yeah, if you're anything like me and you love comedy and some Regency, you're going to love her work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm going to lift up another book, which I am in progress of, but it is Molly Shannon's autobiography, Hello, Molly. It is so good. She is amazing, and her life is crazy. I love her. I, I love, love her. her. And uh, I've been listening to the audiobook, which I think is kind of required. I think you should definitely hear it in her voice. She performs it well. She pre- I mean, she is like down and she does voices and it's just Molly the whole time. It's so fun. It's like watching her perform and um, you don't need to buy it. You can get it through your library. A lot of them have stream audiobooks. So that's what I'm doing. If you want to be like me, do that. If you want to be like Caroline, do that. Who doesn't? We'll turn it to Julia. Well, thank you for the shout out, Caroline. Of course. My book comes out on June 27th. <laughs> so soon. Um, I would love to lift up the Apple TV show Bad Sisters that I recently finished watching. Oh yeah, big fan of Sharon Horgan. I've been telling you, it's it's great. You're t- you're telling me like I don't know. Yeah, I love Sharon Horgan. <laughs> no, I've been telling you about Bad Sisters. Give me the freaking login, bro. <laughs> bro okay, <laughs> remember when we talked about on mic and off mic, bro? Sorry, <laughs> there's tension in this room. Sorry, now. Julia. And Bad uh, Sisters, though. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I want to watch that so badly. It's it's so good. I I finally sat down and and watched all the episodes pretty much in one evening, and it was absolutely a delight. Best, yes. And where can people lift you up if they want to? If people would like to lift me up, all of my social media platforms are Julia May Seals and Julia May Seals. Julia all right, Seals, like the Beatles song. Yeah, mommy, 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 mommy. Your, your name is Julia. Is that it? <laughs> And that band had a chokehold on American history and music for the rest of time. Mm. Songs like that. Thank you, Julia. (laughs) Thank you. You can lift me up at Kevin T. Porter everywhere. What do I want to lift up? 
What do I want to lift up? Hmm. Do I want to... Wait, have I talked about Rilo Kylie? Have I lifted them up before? I don't know. Maybe not. On the show. Yeah, hit maybe it. Maybe not. Those two albums, their last two albums, More Adventurous and Under the Black Light, have been giving me a lot of comfort recently. Mm. That is an easy listen. That is my favorite kind of music. She has one of my favorite voices of all time. Jenny Lewis does. That's an album from 2004, 2007. So that was... You know, that was college for me, and that's that's okay, and that's, that is what it is. And you can lift me up at Kevin T. Porter at Peloton, Instagram, Letterboxd, <laughs> OnlyFans. And, you know, keep going out there. Goodreads. Maybe not that. Um, yeah. No, you he can- starts logging a lot of posts on Goodreads. <laughs> Add to shelf. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, but before you just give me like a day before <laughs> you, like a, I, no, I, I'm just working on it. Yeah. Thinking. Like from whenever you hear this, give me one, like 48 hours <laughs> until you actually start following me and then you're going to like what you see. You, I promise. You, know, you don't have to read my book. You just have to buy it. That's right. I'll do both. <laughs> I will. The buying even better. Do even better. <laughs> and of course, keep supporting our little film out in theaters right now. Uh, a lot of people have expressed positive feelings about the way Mario and Luigi deal with inherited trauma in that movie mm. and our kind of depiction of it really meant a lot to them. Feel it's kind of like, of yeah, I feel proud of that. Like the way that Ted Lasso is about trauma and mental mm-hmm. health now in season three. Like we want to make a Mario Brothers movie like that. And again, I stand by our choices. I'm proud of the work we did. You can lift us up at Christian Fun Pod everywhere. Patreon.com slash good Christian fun. And leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Every review you leave, we donate a dollar to charity. Julia. Thank you so much for joining Thank us. You for having me. Yay, Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. And there's nothing left to say except for, okay, okay. I love, love you, Emma. Emma. Amen. Amen. Now, now watch, watch this, this drive. drive. <laughs> and watch this drive and listen to this song. We got it started oh, the best. Which then grew into Hope. We gotta do this one in karaoke next time. <laughs> oh, I still know every word. Mm-hmm. Every word. And we'll see you next week on the podcast. Goodbye. Bye. Word. And then that word grew louder and louder till it was a battle cry. I'll come back when you Because everything's changing Doesn't mean it's never been this way before All you can do is try to know That was a HeadGum Podcast.